Well, hi there. You're listening to Unshaken, a podcast of the Women of the Word Ministry of Christ the Word Church. On today's episode, we will hear part three of our Faith Over Fear series. You may not outrightly show or feel fear, but Cheryl Bailey today will share with us ways that we might actually be hiding behind our fear. Maybe you can relate. Hi, my name's Worry Wanda. I'm always wondering, well, okay, worrying about what if really bad stuff happens. Like, what if I lose my job? What if my mom falls in her yard or into the pool? What if I get ill and can't take care of her? I think we should all just stay home and watch TV. That way we're safe. Oh my. What if the house catches on fire? Sometimes I have to sit down and think about more things to worry about. You know, it's a lot of work being a worrier. My son doesn't end up on The View talking about how I did not go to all his wrestling matches. I watched 24 hours of wrestling last week. Those last nine hours, I just could not attend. Hello, my name is Mom Guilt Molly. I never do enough for my kids. I know it's going to ruin their lives. How can they grow up normal if I don't run them to five ballet practices, three swim meets, art class, and schedule play dates for each of them every week? All of these events, that's why I had to skip the last nine hours of wrestling. Do you understand? Do you think I'm a bad mom? I know I am. If only I was enough for them. Hey, do you like me? I mean, really. My name is Rejection Rita, and I don't really think anybody likes me. I mean, maybe people would like me if I if I bought them things, or or maybe they'd like me if I wore clothes like they had on. Maybe I could go shopping and I could dress better. I don't know. I don't think they would still like me. Oh, what am I gonna do? Did you hear what Rush said today? Oh my! I don't even want to repeat it. It is so scary. Hi, my name is Political Patty, and I keep up with all the news and political blogs. I start my day off with a cup of coffee at 4 a.m. Because I'm afraid I will miss some important news. But by breakfast, I've worked up quite a fright. And by lunch, I'm almost out of my mind with anxiety. By dinner, I know that there's no one that can fix what is happening in the world. I can't keep talking, though. I have to go check Fox News. I can't miss too much. Let's put our hands together if we can relate to Mom Guilt Molly. Who can relate to Mom Guilt Molly? All right, what about Political Patty? What about Worry Wanda? All right, anyone brave enough here to clap for Rejection Rita? All right. Nobody's looking at you that that are clapping for Rejection Rita. You know, maybe we have a different friend, maybe Jealous Judy, or Manipulation Mary, or another one of my favorites, I Got This Ivy. (laughs) You know, we allow our fears oftentimes to reside in a persona of a respectable woman. Yet, even though I told you this morning that I grew up rejecting fear, I want you to know that what I really rejected was depending on someone else. 
And the reality is that I fear, and so do you. And yet we know that we have these fears, and we oftentimes don't like them, so we, we kind of try to hide them be behind some sort of a acceptable mask. You know, when I look at the sins that become habits in my life or in yours, we oftentimes can trace those back to fear. You know, why do I lie? Because I fear the consequences of the truth. Why am I jealous? Because I'm afraid that, that God's not going to give me a friend like Susie has. So instead of, of dealing with my fear head on, I respond in jealousy. Why do I fluctuate in my beliefs? Because my fear of man's opinion makes me seek others' opinion instead of God's. You know, isn't it easy to make friends with our fears? How many of you have been to Chicago? It's a great city, isn't it? I, I love Chicago. I love the, the miles of walking paths along the um, lakeshore and the beautiful skyline. But one thing I didn't like so much but is there is congestion and traffic. Crazy drivers. Now, my first job out of college was in downtown Chicago, and I had this theory, and I was really vocal about it. My theory was that cars would not hit pedestrians. <laughs> now, my reasoning was, you know, it would take a long time. They'd have to stop, wait for the police to come, maybe an ambulance, and so it was it was just better if they didn't hit you. Well, I was vocal about it. In fact, one day I was down there walking across some street with some friends and I was telling them my theory and just got, about got sideswiped by a, a taxi driver. So I should have had fear of 3,000 pounds of metal coming at me fast. But somehow, it just didn't, it didn't affect me. I really wondered at times whether or not when God was forming me, if he kind of forgot to give me that fear emotion. <clears throat> But seriously, God created each of us with emotion of fear. And it's actually a blessing to us. He gave us fear so that we could flee real danger. When our, our soul, when we understand scripture, we're going to fear the Lord and we're going to turn away from evil. But Satan, he's the father of lies. He seeks to deceive and pervert the truth. And he wants us to fear evil and turn away from the Lord. <clears throat> I want you to hear this. When our soul lines up with scripture, we will fear the Lord and we are going to turn away from evil. But Satan perverts the truth and he desires for us to fear evil and turn away from the Lord. So when you think about your life, what evils are a part of the fears in your life? Maybe shootings in schools, terrorists, cancer, abandonment, abuse, abduction, death. You know, when your computer pops up that a, a local school is on lockdown, what, how does your body react? I think for most of us, our minds immediately fill with fear and our hearts become an open playing field for worry. And if we don't turn to God, believing who he is and what he tells us, we can easily begin to dwell on all these evils. And eventually, we live in a world that we remove God from. We accept that evil reigns, and, and then we begin to deny God's power. 
And then we live in one fear after another fear, another fear stacks on top of that. And fear becomes habitual. Our hearts become conditioned to react to situations because we no longer look to God as powerful and in control, and fear reigns. There's an old saying that says, if you can't beat them, join them. This has become the motto of the fear-filled woman. Fear defeats her, it controls her, and eventually we stop fighting fear and we say, you know what, I give up. Fear is who I am. I'm just a worrier. I can't control it. This is how I'm going to be. And we become a prisoner to the bondage of fear. You know, I've seen this up close in women. You get bad news. What's your first response? You turn to the computer. Most of us here are going to turn to the computer. We begin a Google search of whatever, whatever symptom we might have or whatever thing we think is going to happen to us. We spend minutes or hours or maybe days searching the internet, finding out about all the bad stuff we think is going to happen, and our fears grow to the point that we actually stop living. Fear keeps my mind focused on me. But God desires us to have our eyes focused on him and on others. Yet those fears, they fix their eyes on me, my desires, my hurts, all the what-ifs that I don't think I'm going to get, and they keep me from living the life that God desires me to live. You know, when fear of tomorrow becomes my go-to response, I will never accomplish the work that God has for me today. Those fears make us ineffective. And Satan wins. Not ultimately, because we know that Jesus was victorious over sin and over the schemes of Satan on the cross. But Satan wins because he has succeeded in perverting the truth of who God is. And instead of living to bring glory to God, he has kept our eyes on ourselves. And he has made us ineffective. This morning, we spoke about who God is and how what we truly believe can be, is revealed in our daily actions. You know, many times we grow up seeing a behavior and we say, you know, I'm not going to be like that. And then we grow up to be just like that, right? But there is a character trait of God that many of us have grown up and said, well, I'm not going to be like that. And we actually have succeeded in not being. First John says, God is light, and in him there is no darkness. God calls his daughters to be like him in living in the light. Yet many of us, by living in fear, worry, and anxiety, have chosen to dwell in darkness. Our passage this afternoon is Proverbs 4, 18 to 19. The path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. Remember our doctrine. It's, it's what we believe and it's seen in our actions. And this verse says that as a daughter of God, our life is going to be growing more and more in brightness. We are to be living in the light. This morning, I spoke about Moses not fearing the king. What kept him from fear? Anybody remember? Hmm. Not being able to articulate very well. He didn't speak well. 
Okay, that, that was fearful for Moses, right. But the instance that I referred to was that he had his eyes fixed on the one that was invisible, Jesus Christ. And that kept him from, from fearing the king. Now, Moses spent a lot of time up on the mountain. He would go up and talk to God at various times. And, and when God gave him the Ten Commandments, he was up there for 40 days. When Moses came down off the mountain, what, what, what did he look like? Who can tell me what he looked like? I have a t-shirt for whoever can tell me what he looked like. He radiated. That's right. He was so bright. He was so bright that the Israelites were afraid of him. He had spent 40 days with God and the reflection of God shone off of him. He just radiated. Do you want to be women of faith? A woman of faith radiates light because God's light is radiating off of her. Our verse says, the path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. You know, sometimes I want us to think that this life is a sprint. You know, if I just like give a quick burst of energy, I can run and then just like sit down and take it easy. And yet that is not the life of a Christian. It's not the life that God calls women of faith to live. The life that we're to live, it's a, it's a cross-country trek. It's not a quick burst of energy and we're done. It's a, a path that is going to go on and on till eternity. And you know, as we're walking on that path, sometimes we're going over mountains. Sometimes we're going through valleys. Sometimes we're having to swim across bodies of water. And each step we take, we don't like take a step and stop and go, hmm, okay, did I make any progress? All right, I'm going to take another step. Okay, did I make any progress? No, we don't do that. We just keep walking. But each step is important. Each step is taking us towards the end, eternity. And you know, the path of God that is towards heaven is full of light. Darkness never enters this path. Yet fear, anxiety, jealousy, control, manipulation, worry, those are those dark pits along the path. They desire to suck you off the path and get you entangled in them. They, they're perverted. You know, they want you to try to believe that worry is really wisdom and fear is concern. They want to make you believe that you'll never get out of the muck and mire of your past sins. They want you to think that you're in control of life. You know, these masks of fear that we hide behind, they, affects us, they affect us in the same way that a mask does. It obscures the light and it enables us to live in darkness. And the darkness leads to a life of stumbling and falling, a life that is really ineffective. This afternoon, I want to talk with you about three comparisons between light and darkness and how you can fight fears and walk on this path that is growing ever brighter, seeing victory in putting your fears to death, not just retreating behind a mask or making friends with one of them. Our three points today is one, light exposes, darkness covers. Two, light guides, darkness blinds. And three, light purifies, darkness perverts. I told you that my first job was in Chicago. I was a foster care worker. And one of the families that I worked with had their children removed for neglect. Their house was filthy, full of trash and cockroaches. 
At night, the children would have to pull a blanket around them and they would wrap up in a blanket so tight so that the cockroaches couldn't make their way between the blanket and their skin. They didn't want to be bitten all night. It was horrible. You know, cockroaches love the dark. That's where they thrive. They come out at night, scurrying around, looking for food, chewing up things. A German cockroach, and it's young, can, will, be, will produce 300,000 cockroaches in one year. That's a lot of activity in the dark. Now, <laughs> light is their enemy. Shine the light on them, and they will dart to and fro, trying to escape this torture. Now, one Christmas, these parents brought in a box of chocolate-covered almonds. It was a nice gesture, but in my mind, an almond and a cockroach were about the same size. Fear, doubt, worry, these emotions also thrive in the dark. And if you want to get rid of them, you must expose them to the light. We have to shine the light on our mind and our heart. So my first point, light exposes, darkness covers. My grandson Nate's birthday is a few days before Christmas, and it always gets lost in the holidays. Well, I shouldn't say always, he's only four. But, you know, every year it's gotten lost in the holidays. So this past Christmas, I decided I wanted to get him something unique, something really special. Something that he would remember and that was memorable for him. So, I decided to get him a hedgehog. Not a stuffed hedgehog or a hedgehog game, but a live baby hedgehog. This was going to be a super fun surprise. A surprise even for his mom and dad, who I decided not to tell because I was afraid they might say no. <laughs> so, I... I began an internet search looking for a hedgehog, and I found one pretty quickly, but it was still November. So this meant my keeping this hedgehog for a month before his birthday rolled around. But hedgehogs, the more you handle them, the more friendly they become. And so I figured, well, this was a good plan. Now, my husband really doesn't like animals, really not at all. But I told him my idea, and he said, okay, I think that sounds like a fun plan. You can do it. Whoa, one month. My husband went from disliking animals to baby talking to Pixie. <laughs> now, that was a surprise. So we gave Pixie to Nate. It was a good surprise. She moved to a new home. My husband was sad. <laughs> now, two days before Christmas, my son calls me up and says, Dad is dancing around the office. He's poking me and he's saying, Mom is getting me a hedgehog for Christmas, but don't tell her I know. <laughs> now, I am the one that's surprised. I had no intent on buying David a hedgehog. But what does a dutiful wife do when she doesn't want to disappoint her husband at Christmas? She buys him a hedgehog. Now, the hedgehog I bought David was albino, and I tell you this before I show you its picture, her picture, because she has red eyes and she kind of looks like a rat. But David is colorblind, and so brown and red look the same. So if you don't tell him that she has red eyes, we'll all be good on this fact, all right? So this is Blanche, our hedgehog. 
and he has continued to baby talk to Blanche, his hedgehog. It is, it is quite a funny thing to see. All right, anyway, that was a really long background for a, re a really short example. Like cockroaches, hedgehogs are, are nocturnal animals. They come out at night. They like to stay hidden from the light under a blanket or in a tube. Light scares them, but actually a whole ton of things scare hedgehogs. They're just prone to fear. And when they sense danger, God gave them this unique thing. They roll up into a ball, they pull their arms inside their tail, and even their head can go totally inside them so that, now I took a picture of, of her with her head still out, but she can actually tuck her whole head inside so that she is one total ball of prickly spines. Now, God created her with this unique instinct to combat fear, and I'll tell you, it's effective. I have been poked a few times, and it is an effective uh, protection. Now, this instinct in a hedgehog of tucking their arms and their tail and their head inside is fascinating. It is really fascinating to see. But you know what? It doesn't look good on a woman. <laughs> and this is what fear makes us do. It makes us want to hide in darkness. But God did not create you with an instinct to protect yourself. He gave you the Holy Spirit as a source of help, comfort, and encouragement. He gave you Jesus who conquered sin, even our sins of fear on the cross. And he gave us himself as a loving and kind father whom we can turn to for real and lasting peace. So why do we... We retreat into this ball. Why do we allow our defensive prickles to stick up? Why is fear our first go-to? You know, we are by nature prone to sin. And fear is sin. And we live in a culture that tries to make us believe that fear and worry are natural and they are okay. So we have been conditioned to relax in fear and we have allowed fear to settle in our hearts and become a habit. So join us next time for part four of Faith Over Fear and our final episode in this series. Remember, when everything around you is shaken, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress because of God. Until next time.